0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three point line. Memories have been made.
2: Great a deep three for the
0: lead! For Great basketball has been played. away!
1: In 49 states, it's just basketball. Clips it to the big fella, fake, shoots,
0: and hits,
1: hits But this, this is Indiana. Yeah! And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Your go-to Pacers podcast.
3: Setting the pace with Alex Infante. Alex Infante. Alex and Alex setting the pace with Alex Infante. Alex Infante. Alex and Alex and setting the pace with Alex Infante. Alex Fachi Alex and Alex and setting the pace with Alex Infante. Alex Infante. Alex and Alex and. we got Pacers hooping Let's talk stats, hot takes, all fast, new topics, updates, three pointers, fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes weekly drops number one podcast super narra team we're gonna need a mile like pace with Alexa faci Alexa faci Alexa Aliison set in the pace with Alexa Fachi. Alexa faci Alexa Aliison set in the pace with Alexa faci Alexa faci Alexa Aliison set in the pace with Alexa 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 Pacer Nation what's going on welcome back to another episode here of your go-to pacers podcast setting the pace I'm your host Alex golden and on today's show breaking things down into two segments for you in segment one fachi and i bring on james and tyler for a highly competitive battle of pacers trivia on our setting the pace fan of the week segment brought to you by ripple bagel and deli make sure you guys check it out let them know you heard about them on setting the pace and they will give you a free side a free chip or a free drink you don't want to miss that but also make sure you try the setting the pace sandwich salami pastrami turkey can't go wrong It is absolutely delicious. I need to get out there myself and get another sandwich because I'm craving it. Not going to be good for my New Year's resolution to get back on my diet. But hey, if I have a cheat day, I got to get out to Ripple Bagel and Deli and get this sandwich. Now, in segment two, I'm bringing on David and Carson from the Pacers group chat, two of my good friends. We've got a Pacers group chat that we have conversations pretty much daily about the NBA, but most of the Pacers. And so I bring them on in segment two to talk about. Pascal, Siakam, the Pacers, and whether or not they should make a trade right now or keep this core together and just kind of ride it out. So we talk about the pros and the cons of going in for a trade in segment two. So a lot of fun there, but let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump into some Pacers trivia. Ripple Bagel and Deli is the home of Indy's Original steam Bagel Sandwich. It's located in the heart of Broad Ripple, and they're family-owned and operated, proudly serving their customers for over 20 years. They pride themselves on quick casual dining with over 100 different steamed bagel sandwich options. It truly is a staple in Indianapolis, and a can't miss breakfast and lunch spot. Ripple Bagel & Deli offers a great friends and family atmosphere where you're always welcome to dine in and be a part of the family, or feel free to bypass any weight by conveniently ordering and paying for carryout ahead of time at RippleBagelDeli.com. Ripple Bagel & Deli also offers best-in-class catering anytime, anywhere, with a long list of customers ranging anywhere from law firms to drug reps to several different sports-related clients, including Butler, IUPUI, the Indianapolis Colts, and several visiting NFL teams. They pride themselves on their ability to satisfy all of your catering needs no matter the occasion or event and will customize your order, provide competitive pricing, and always deliver on time. Ripple Bagel Deli. The home of Indy's original steam bagel sandwich. Happy New Year, everybody! This is our first segment of Pacers trivia slash fan of the week of the New Year, so we're excited about that. It is brought to you by Ripple Bagel and Deli. Make sure you guys check it out in Broad Ripple, where you can try the setting the pace sandwich. If you haven't already, check it out on the Substack where you guys can read all about that sandwich. It is a very delicious, delectable sandwich. But we're gonna start things off today with James and Tyler going head to head in some Pacers trivia. But James. I want to introduce you, man. So, talk to me a little bit. When did you become a Pacer fan? How long have you been a fan of the Pacers? And what'd you think of the Pacers win over the Bucks tonight?
4: Well,
2: I've been a fan since probably the mid 90s. I was born in 87. So, I started watching probably like 94, 95. So, I've been a Pacers fan for a long time. The big win tonight. Awesome. Five in a row. Who can stop us right now?
1: Not the bucks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Not
4: the bucks.
1: So that feels good, but awesome to hear how long you've been sticking with the team through the highs, through the lows, and I'm hoping that we're back on the highs. But uh, Tyler, tell us about you know when you became a fan and some of your m- maybe most fond memories of the Pacers.
5: Actually, for me, I think it was a singular Sports Center highlight of Reggie Miller. It was probably like eight nine years old so a little over 20 years ago for that matter so uh i picked him up uh, a little bit uh in the mid uh, 2000s i remember being furious after the malice at the palace uh, happened and then carried over a little over 10 years later when the paul george trade was made but uh i was originally a california resident i moved to indianapolis to try to get into indycar and from there is when i really started following the pacers like right before i moved and then when i got here like. I just started attending games uh, left and right, even in uh, the darkest days uh, of the 2021 to 2022 season until our Savior Halliburton uh, got traded over here. So, uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride, and uh, it's uh, really anywhere but up uh, from from, uh, this season on. For sure, man. So
3: we're going to get into things here, and I I sent you guys the topics ahead of time. So we're going to start things out with Obi Toppin. So, James, I'm going to give you the option. Do you want to have Fachi ask you the first question, or would you like me to ask you the first question? Go ahead, Alex. All right. Talking Obi Toppin here. So, first question. What is Obi Toppin's Pacers career high in rebounds? He crowed his Pacers career high in rebounds against the Chicago Bulls last week. Here are your three options. Is it A, 15 rebounds? B, 12 rebounds? C, 9 rebounds? That would be B. 12 rebounds? Yeah, that's what I'm going with. All right, final answer? Yep. All right, that is correct. He got 12 rebounds against the Chicago Bulls last Thursday, and he had eight in the first half.
1: It shows Obi is always capable of being a better rebounder than what he averages, so that shows it. But moving over to you, Tyler. Uh, next question staying on the topic of Obi Toppin what is Obi Toppin's Pacers career high in points the hint is that he scored his Pacers career high in Indiana's second in season tournament game against the Philadelphia 76ers here are the choices choice A 27 points choice B 33 points or choice C 21 points
5: I'm gonna go with A 27 Final answer? Final answer.
1: And we're all tied up at one apiece. The answer was 27 points. Great job, Tyler. And we're all even after one round.
3: All right, we're moving on to our next category, and this category is called Duke Blue Devils. Mm. All right, so obviously we're going to be looking at former Pacers that were also players at Duke. So, Tyler, we'll let you pick first this round. Do you want Fauci to ask you the question, or would you like me to ask you the question?
5: Go with you, Alex.
3: All righty. First question up for this round. This former Pacer and Duke Blue Devil won a championship with LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. Hint, he is a role player known for his perimeter defense. Is it A, Sam Young, B, Gerald Green, or C, Dante Jones?
5: Go with C Dante Jones. Final answer? Final answer.
3: Boom. That is right. We are two for two for Tyler here. So Fachi, uh, go ahead and ask the next one.
1: All right. So, James, we got you right here. It's sticking on that subject of former Blue Devils. Uh, this former Pacer and Duke Blue Devil missed the only shot of the third quarter against the Nuggets with one point nine seconds left to go back on November 9th, 2010. He missed a three. Here's the hint. He was Tyler Hansborough's backup for the 2011 playoffs. And here are the choices. Choice A, Troy Murphy. Choice B, Josh McRoberts. Choice C, Mike Dunleavy.
2: Oh, Josh McRoberts. It still hurts me to this day.
1: (laughs) I'd say final answer, but you feel pretty confident. And that is correct. You can't forget about that that infamous quarter <laughs> against the Nuggets. Only nope. Pacer fans could remember one missed shot all these <laughs> years later. But hey, you nailed it, and we got a good one on our hands, tied up at two apiece.
3: Yeah, we do. So James, we'll go back to you here. You can have Fachi or I ask you the next question. And the category is, let's see here, Pacers who, or, yes, Pacers who have played for the Pacers twice. So players who have played for the Pacers twice. I think that's yeah. a. Interesting topic. So you want Fachi or me to ask a question? You can go ahead, Alex. All righty. This former Pacer was first acquired by Indiana on in a four-team trade that involved five players. He later returned to the blue and gold in free agency after playing with the Mavericks, Clippers, and Kings. Who was it? Is it A, George Hill, B, Travis Best, C, Darren Collison, or D, Glenn Robinson III? I'm going to
2: go with C, Darren Collison.
3: Is that your final answer? Yes, that is correct. Darren Collison was the player that was involved in that five-team or that four-team trade. Uh, James Posey also came over to Indiana in the deal. Pacers sent out Troy Murphy. I can't remember the other two players involved in that deal, but um, Darren Collison was the point guard the Pacers needed at the time until they got George Hill later. So that was a that was a fun little trivia there, Fachi. So we we got three in a row here for James. Tyler's got to get this next one here. <laughs> to send this to a tiebreaker.
1: The pressure is on here, Tyler. A chance to force overtime. Here's the question. This former forward was drafted by the Pacers in 1998. He was later dealt to the Atlanta Hawks in 2004. In 2006, the Pacers traded back for him. Who was it? Choice A, Jonathan Bender. Choice B, Austin Crozier. Choice C, Scott Pollard. Or choice D, Al Harrington.
5: It will be choice D, Al Harrington. Final answer? Final answer.
1: Oh, man. Edge of the seat material over here. We're going to overtime. We got a thriller on our hands tied up at three apiece. Alex, tell them the overtime rules.
3: All right, guys. You're going to have 15 seconds. So Fachi going to get his phone ready with the timer on it. And what you're going to do is you're going to write down as many players as you can think of who currently average double figures and points for the Pacers this season. Okay. The hint, there are eight players. You have 15 seconds. Now what I want you to do is write the first and last name. Okay. Okay, So no abbreviations to help you out here because I want to make sure that everybody is doing the same exact thing. So it's fair. So uh, you guys ready? Yep. Bachi, are you ready? Ready to rock. All right. On your mark, get set. Go.
1: Three, two, one. It's
3: up. All righty. James, how many did you get down? Two full names. Two full names. Tyler. Do full names as well.
1: No oh, man, we got a couple letters over here. I don't know if that could be a tiebreaker or not. Okay. I don't know if it's enough, but let's find out.
3: All right. What so we have Buddy Hill and Miles Turner for James, and what did you have down, Tyler? Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and you had Miles down. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna put fifteen more seconds on the clock. Since we are tied up here, you gotta write fast. On your mark. Get set. Go. This is very suspenseful, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying this.
1: Three, two, one, time's up.
3: Oh, all right, let's see what you got. So we got Tyrese and Ben Matherin four. Ooh, okay. We've got five over here by Tyler. He's got Aaron Niesmith, Obi Toppin, Miles Turner. Ben Mather and Tyrese Halliburton; those five are correct. Nice. Tyler pulls it out. Wow! This one extra just name. Just so
1: you guys know, this was the closest. I think the competition has ever gone. I don't think we've ever gone this deep into multiple tiebreakers. So, <laughs> both you guys absolutely know your Pacers trivia. And while well, I know there can only be one winner. James, you were by no means a loser. You absolutely knew your stuff. I felt like you were very sure. You didn't need that Mm, second guess on. Is that my final choice or not? So very impressive to the both of you.
5: Right on. Yeah, that was a a reminder of uh, the Victor Oladipo winning shot against the Celtics, just back and forth, and forth, back and forth, back and forth till the very end.
3: I oh, think man. uh I think James, it's only right that we get you back on in January because Yeah,
5: it's all good. Yeah. Right. didn't
3: miss any questions and you, you were right there in the tiebreaker. I don't think we've had anybody go, you know, perfect, really. No. Up <laughs> to the tiebreaker. So we'll get you back on in February to Wait. kind of give you another chance. Tyler, you'll be moving on. We have two previous winners, I believe, from December. It's just a crazy month. December is a really hard month to get a lot of things scheduled. Just so many holidays, oh, yeah. so many people doing things. So we've got two winners from the month of december we'll carry that over into january then we'll have a big show down here so tyler thank you so much for coming on doing your best winning this competition it was a very fun one to watch and hopefully the questions were, were pretty fun i i try to not make them too hard tyler but i try to make them at least a little bit you know of a hey i'm learning something if i'm a casual pacers fan
5: i'm kind of in that boat i mean i always started seeing games uh when it was uh Early 2018, so I've uh, done my best to keep up in uh, every way for the last uh, almost six years now. Wow, no,
1: I was impressed with me. You did great with the Al Harrington question because I knew it was yeah. like, you know, based on what you told us of when you really started becoming a fan, I felt like that was where borderline, hey, this could be a tough one for you, but knocked it out of the park. And James, yeah, we've had winners that, I don't want to say you know no offense to them, but you showed a lot more than some people that have won. On our show so very fitting of being welcomed back on so hey keep stay fresh with your pacers knowledge because uh, i don't think we've seen the last of you
3: absolutely focci so let's go ahead and end things like we do here with this segment with a let's go pacers james tyler focci hit me with those three words
5: let's go pacers let's go pacers
1: let's go
0: pacers we'll be right back after this
3: All right, everybody joining us now on setting the pace. These guys have been a reoccurring guest for a couple of years. Now they are the Pacers group chat guys. We got David and Carson here. Obviously Lincoln wasn't able to make this one for another reason. We've got a thousand of them lined up here, but you know, Lincoln wasn't able to make this one. He was scheduled to make it. And then all of a sudden something happened where he couldn't. So Lincoln had to bail, but we got David, we got Carson, uh, and we're excited to talk about the Pacers. So, David, we'll start with you. Uh, last time you were on, we recapped a big win against Philadelphia and in then season tournament. Now we've won against the Bucks twice in a row. We're recording this Thursday night. So, how are things going for you?
4: I'm trying really hard to not overreact because <laughs> it's, it's easy to do it right now. It's easy. I've been seeing a lot of hype on Twitter and on social media, on Pacers Reddit. I'm lurking around Pacers Reddit. Just trying to eat up all of the positivity, all the love, and it's, it feels good. I mean, I, I haven't seen this in a long time since the Paul George days where we're getting love um, across the league, not just from our own fan base, but uh, across the league and seeing people tweet about Halliburton and tweet about this team. It's exciting. And the one thing I'm concerned about is just like, is it just the Bucs? I'm hoping it's not. We, obviously, we've won other games as well besides the last two. Um, but I'm trying not to get too like, oh, we can beat anybody (laughs) because we've also seen us lose to almost anybody. So I'm trying to keep that in mind, but it's very encouraging and exciting to see us on the right track, beating really good teams, and seeing Halliburton play at an MVP level. So overall, very um, encouraged and optimistic, just trying not to get too ahead of myself here.
3: I totally feel you because you got to think about it. they got a trap game against Atlanta on Friday. You know, they yep. got Boston following that in back-to-back games, and Atlanta just ended Oklahoma City's winning streak Wednesday night. And Atlanta was a team that really was a pretty competitive game with Indiana and that third in-season tournament game where the Pacers won 157 to 152 in a game where no defense was played or even thought about. So that is great. But you talk about Halliburton being an MVP candidate. Let's let's talk talk about this for a second. First returns for all-star votes, Tyrese Halliburton, Carson, the leading vote getter for the guards in the Eastern conference and over a million votes uh, more than Jalen Brunson, you know, somebody that a lot of people have put them in a comparison of who's better. And, you know, he was Jalen Brunson's backup for team USA. So your thoughts, Carson, on just this Ascension Tyrese Halliburton has had and um, just how are you feeling as a Pacer fan?
2: It's so much fun really to see. And I think we can finally kind of, Put the um, the talks to rest about oh Indiana doesn't get the love that they deserve. Um, we've I feel like as Pacers fans it's easy to put that chip on your shoulder, um, but as of late I feel like all the national media attention obviously the All Star votes kind of prove that. So it's just it's been so much fun just to be able to take it all in, watch this um, rise of a of a superstar. So I'm just trying to appreciate it, not kind of like David mentioned, not get too uh, too overhyped, I guess, but just kind of uh, take it for the fun that it is.
3: Yeah, and, and just a reminder: if you're listening to this on Friday, if you vote now for Tyrese Halliburton to be an all-star, that vote will count three times today. So it is triple your vote on Friday. So make sure you guys are doing that and keep Tyrese at the top of the food chain there for the Eastern Conference guards. And I think he was only 10,000 less than Steph Curry, which is also quite shocking considering the popularity that Stephen Curry has and you know, it's it's just a testament to, you know, the rise that Tyrese Halliburton has had. But today, we're going to look at three different topics here. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of making a trade to get better now. Um, looking at two young players on this team, which one we'd rather keep versus trade. And then how confident we feel about this core in the playoffs. So this is a, a little bit of projecting, a little bit of talking about the future and kind of not wanting to uh, overstep, right? Because we're, we're still in January, but at the same time. Trade deadline is coming up in February about, you know, 40 days away, something like that from the deadline close to that. So you just got to keep your eyes out for everything. And uh, most recently on threads, which is still hilarious to me, Woj was answering questions until the Pacers are still, you know, keep an eye on them to keep looking at Pascal Siakam. So that's obviously a name to keep an eye on. We've been talking about that at nauseam on this podcast, but David, I'm going to go to you. Let's, let's talk about this. The pros and cons of making a trade
4: to get better now, um, how are you feeling about that at this particular moment? And I'm really conflicted and I think the the hedge answer is it just depends and it's the truth. so I'll, I'll try not to be too like fancy McFencerton here uh but it does it, it does depend on who it is and what player we we're, we're losing here because the pro of it is that if Halliburton is like even if he's not, you know, on the MVP, like top five by the end of the year, but people are talking about him being all NBA second team. I mean, even if he's there by the end of the year, you feel like you got to do something to to put all-star level players around him and people that either have been all pro or could project to eventually maybe be borderline all pro people around him. Because at this point, we only have one guy who's like, who's, trajectory could get him there and even that's not a, not like a stone cold lock there are players we could definitely uh, make moves for so it's like yeah the siakam deal we've it's been talked a million different ways and been talked for like almost a year at this point probably <laughs> about siakam and, and og and the og one probably is going to be dead for a while but probably not forever and it the the, the positives are you're capitalizing on an mvp level season in terms of like, right now, he's not going to win MVP, probably. I, I, I'd i be shocked, absolutely shocked, um, even though I, I think he's top 10 right now and having a top 10 season. but So the, the term MVP, not literally, but having an MVP-esque type season, putting up numbers that are getting him compared to players like Magic Johnson and Chris Paul on his prime and just ridiculous comparisons that you never would have thought uh, he would have gotten compared to even just a year or two ago. Um, so you're capitalizing on that. The negatives are what if there's, you know, a fit issue for this season and maybe we don't quite capitalize on this season then and then the player like Siakam especially, are you going to be able to resign him or not? Other people that are on contract for a little bit longer, then, you know, what if they walk after their contract and we've uh, sold on a young player And then we're kind of back where we started in a couple of years. That is the con is like, we don't actually get anywhere and we sell on a young player that then goes and develops into into exactly what we want to trade for. That's, that's the fear. That's the con for sure.
3: Yeah. And Carson, before we get into you, I just want to let everybody know that Pascal Siakam's contract situation is one that we need to touch on because if he had been dealt before December 31st, then the team that acquired him could have extended him. Now, because that date is passed, he is not extension eligible if he is traded to a different team. Now, that team will still have the bird rights to Pascal Siakam when he enters free agency this upcoming summer, but they will not be able to extend him, which means that his contract will expire, and that means that he is a free agent and that he's an unrestricted free agent. So yeah. he could have every intention of resigning with the Pacers if they were to make that move, but they would have to wait until free agency hit before they could actually make that official just based on I think it has to be so many days. I think it's going to be like six months or something like that since uh, when the trade happened. So it's uh, it's definitely puts the Pacers in a tough spot. And it also, you know, Pascal might want to just stay in Toronto because he's going to get that guaranteed money if he were to stay there. But we're still not sure what direction Toronto's heading and what the price tag is going to be. So, Carson, uh, I'll let you kind of answer this question as well. But if you have anything you want to re- respond to from what David said, please do that now.
2: I think, yeah, for me, one of the biggest pros that it just, not only do you send the message to Tyrese, hey, we're committed to uh, your prime window, even though it's at the very beginning, but it also, uh, any win-now move kind of catapults the Pacers into that next tier of team in the East, in my opinion. We kind of, uh, we haven't seen a lot of Knicks basketball since their trade, um, but I think the Knicks uh, trade for OG Kind of is a step in that direction to catapult them kind of out of that mid pack in the East and kind of help solidify them as maybe closer to that three, four um, spot in the East. And I think a trade like Pascal for us also does the same. And I think right now, the reason why that's especially um, important is because the East is, in my opinion, a little more open than what I think a lot of people want to admit like Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, have all crumbled in the playoffs in recent years. So if you are able to make that jump into the next tier, who knows what your ceiling realistically is. We saw an eight seed in the finals last year, so crazier things have happened. And obviously that Miami team is very different than this Pacers team, um, almost polar opposites. But my only point there is that NBA playoff basketball right now, especially in the East, is maybe less predictable than it's been in the past 20 years, um, ever since at least LeBron left the East. So um, I think that if you are able to make a deal that the pro there is the upside of just having a, a lot higher of a ceiling um, and maybe um, being able to make a deep playoff run. But in terms of a on the flip side and the cons of that is obviously aside from selling, too early on uh, young talent one of the things that i think kind of goes untalked about a lot of times when trading young players is the money aspect of it um in sending your valuable good rookie contracts out the door um too early and i think back to teams like toronto in 2019 when they had og ananobi and pascal siakam on rookie deals i think pascal was on the last year of his rookie deal and was averaging 17 ish points a game during that Uh, finals run and then Phoenix uh, in 21 had McCall Bridges and Cam Johnson on their rookie deals for the 21 finals run and even Golden State in 22 even though they had their core that they'd had for a decade their second uh, and fourth leading scores in Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga again guys on rookie deals and then uh, Denver with Christian Brown um, playing a huge role in that championship run so you have all of these small contracts that are not just a long-term investment of the development of the of those players but they're a mechanism that allows you to maintain flexibility uh, when you're trying to build a contending roster and like right now I think like we've seen small jumps and efficiency from Matherin and some small jumps from um, Andrew Nemhard and um, some development from Isaiah Jackson but if you think about those guys and how much further along they could be in two to three more years when they are still on those last years of those rookie contracts and they're only making three to $9 million a season. If you think about um, the major value in those contracts and the cap flexibility that you have with these supposed free agents that are interested in coming to play with Tyrese Halliburton, it gives you a lot of flexibility when building out that roster. So I think it's important that you don't just kind of take that for granted and um, dish off of those contracts uh, too soon, just because you feel like you have to make a move for a guy like a Pascal Siakam, if that's the asking price.
3: Yeah. And I think that's a great point because you really got to look at this from this one perspective. And is are we being a prisoner of the moment? Are we putting the cart before the horse and not allowing these guys to develop naturally and trying to force something and push things? Because we've seen teams do that over time. They get a little bit of success early in the season They try to make an all-in move and it maybe works for one year, but then it kind of backfires later down the road and they end up giving up a valuable asset. And is that the right place for the Pacers right now, considering where they're at? I don't think that it's necessarily as risky knowing that they're not moving off of Tyrese and that Tyrese is going to be the guy probably for the next 10 plus years um, as, as that a guy for the Pacers. So they couldn't be willing to make that kind of move, but they do have a lot of young guys. Like you mentioned, Carson, you know, just seeing Isaiah Jackson in year three take the step that he has taken, because I don't think a lot of people, especially myself believed in him after last year and what he brought. It was kind of like, okay, what is he really going to be? Same for Jalen Smith, uh, a guy that traded for that was drafted the same year as Tyrese. And then obviously Mather and Nimhart, I think everybody's kind of expectations for them were pretty high. And it might actually be a little bit underwhelming this year, considering their roles and, and, and what they've done statistically. But I, I do think that we've seen improvement from both of them. So there is value in holding on to your young assets but at the same time it's not often that there's a lot of players out there that could help you win right now and so i do think that for me personally if the right deal presents itself you have to at least consider it but what is the right deal and i think that's where we can kind of get into another conversation here you know david what what exactly do you consider the right type of move is it is it kind of potentially forfeiting one of your young players and someone like maybe jerris walker with some veterans for a Pascal Siakam who will help you this year and could actually help you get into potentially the Eastern Conference Finals if things break right. Is that the move you're really willing to take right now, or or do you feel like that eighth overall pick that you took Jairus Walker in is way more valuable than four months of Pascal Siakam
4: potentially if he doesn't resign? For me personally right now, um, and this is, has changed, um, since December, because of the fact that number one, we cannot extend Siakam, as you said. But Number two, also, he came out and said, "Now he could. This could be, you know, him playing the game, the media yes. game that happens to." But he came out and said, "I'm not going to extend with anybody. I'm going to go to, fr- to unrestricted free agency and try to get money." So that tells me two things. Number one, even if he does come, if he's not, if he's not playing the game, but even if he is playing the game, he's not doing this because he wants to go to a certain team. He's doing this to make money. And so if his number one goal is to re-sign to, with whoever next year that's going to give him the most money, I don't know that I want to be that team. I don't know that I want to be the team giving him ridiculous amounts of money. For, for him specifically, as a, as a player who's at the very end of his prime, maybe even past his prime, I mean, he's still very, very good. He's exactly the kind of player we need. He would help us a lot, not denying any of that. But the amount of money we have to pour into him might kind of hamstring us in a few years so the trade specifically right now even if it was just like buddy or bruce and then jairus and then a draft pick or two like mediocre draft picks i probably wouldn't do it just because of the fact that he could easily walk i don't i'm not someone that is like dying on the hill of Jairus Walker needs to get 10 minutes a game like Rick's an idiot for not playing him. That's not, I'm not saying that, but I also don't want to just trade Jairus Walker for nothing. If he could in a couple of years be the uh, bargain version of Siakam, I don't think he's going to get that good that quickly, but he's a similar mold of player in terms of a power forward that can have that has multiple skills, um, you know, that couldn't develop. And he's also super young. So, there's really no young player that I'm looking at that I'm like eager to give up for Siakam specifically because of the fact that I'd have no faith that he'll actually stay.
3: Mm-hmm. Is there somebody that you do have in mind that you would be willing to give up someone like a Jerris Walker?
4: Or for Siakam or meaning like I'm saying I mean, not for Seattle, but for player. somebody else.
3: Is there somebody else out there that you would be willing well, to?
4: The, the oh. problem is the only other player that I really was like interested or thinking about that I think would be a lot more expensive in terms of what we have to give up to get him was Bridges. But it seems the Nets recently came out and were like, yeah, we're not trading him, which they shouldn't trade him. I don't know why that was even like a rumor. So yeah. if they're not going to trade him, then there's not really anybody that I'm like, we should get rid of our young player for this guy. Um, I don't think that that. I'm not sure that that person exists right now, which is kind of like why the Siakam rumor keeps circling back around because he's kind of like the best option because we might be able to get him without giving up too much, especially after what happened with OG. I mean, they got a good return, don't get me wrong, but those aren't like rookie level, you know, first-year players, second-year players. Those are more not, not like veteran veterans, like not like the, on the level of Siakam in terms of in, in their prime. But they are players that have been in the league and they're established, and they're gonna help them win now. Like Toronto could be better after this trade, and so could the Knicks, which is crazy that hardly ever happens. Like with the Kings and the Pacers with the Tyrese Halliburton trade. Um, but yeah. so if if the Raptors are looking for a more of a win now trade, and they're like, yeah, give us, um, I don't know, I don't even know, like Bruce and Buddy. For Siakam and something else, and we'll give you a first-round pick and a second-round pick or two firsts. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll do Siakam and not have to give up any young players. But that seems like it might be unrealistic. It probably is unrealistic, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting spot to be in because I feel like, you know, you mean, you brought up a great point, and I'll let you touch on this here in a second, Carson. Uh, Mikael Bridges, obviously. Woj put out on his threads that they're looking to build around him and that there's no intention of moving him right now. And because the Nets have kind of been underwhelming, they're kind of feel like it team that's not really going anywhere. It feels like he could be someone that could get them a lot of picks if they were trying to go into a rebuild, maybe some young talent. And I and I definitely think he could, but at the same time, it does feel like the cupboard is a little bit bare and there's not a lot of guys out there that are going to be there for the taking. I think everybody was kind of keeping their eyes on Toronto So if you're getting yourself in a bidding war for Pascal Siakam, who is only 29, right? He's going to turn 30 by the end of the season, still has plenty of time left in his prime. But if you extend him to a four or five year deal at the end of that, he's probably past his prime. And then you're probably paying him a lot of money when he's not there. And we kind of seen how that works out. Uh, Look at what Golden State has to deal with, with Klay Thompson and even Draymond Green to a certain extent. So that is where you have to be very smart about how you go about approaching the right type of trade. And you know, like you mentioned previously, before I'm like, yeah, you got to go out there and get Tyrese as much talent as possible just to prove to him that you're trying to win. But at the same time, I would almost rather hold my cards close and visit that in the off season and kind of just write it out, despite what happens the rest of this month. Because I do think that if the Pacers start to struggle, if they go on this road trip and they lose them to Boston, they lose like seven of nine, something stupid like that, and you know, you're like, oh, the panic, but we got to get somebody. I don't want to make an irrational decision just because yeah. we have a tough losing skid. I think that at the end of the day, nothing right now that I have seen on the market is worth giving up your young talent that you draft in the last two years for Pascal. Scalcombe, unless you had to power part with Ben Shepard. I really don't count that. I'm not, I'm not counting a guy that's not in the lottery. So that's, that's where I'm at. And, and same with Nimhard. I don't really think that I would part with Nimhard for Pascal. I could be, and I could be persuaded to do it if I had to because of how deep the roster is, but I I don't think that I would be like eager to do that. So Carson, I, I know I just threw a lot out there, but uh, you've been pretty adamant. you have not a, not a Pascal fan <laughs> or trading away Jairus for Pascal in our group chat. So, you know, just take the floor here and let us know how you feel about all this.
2: Yeah. I think it's the, you guys hit on most of the big points with the recent um, extension uh thing and come like essentially just the fact that we have no guarantee of anything. I always think of the uh the Bill Withers lyric good things might come to those who wait, but not for those who wait too late. And so and I think that's really true in the NBA. Um, if you're if you're the buyer at least, it's better to wait out in until what you want is available on the market and then you go out and get it. Um, if Mikal Bridges becomes available, go out and get him if you think he's your guy and you believe in him. Um, but the worst thing that you can do, I think, is in terms of if you're a buyer, the worst thing you can do is go out and then just make a rash decision um, before you're ready, and really this season, if I'm being honest, has been a lot more fun, a lot more of a success than what I really even expected. Um, A huge part of that is just this Tyrese Halliburton coming out party. I mean, like, who could have really uh, seen this coming? But if we get to the end of the season and we are an eight seed and we have a first round playoff exit, that is enough for me to feel good about the future moving forward based off of the moves that the front office uh, historically has made. But I think, like I uh, said, like the worst thing that can happen is you just go out, you trade Jarris and a couple picks for Siakam, and then he just walks. So um, now if you, I, in terms of this, that specific trade right there, if you do move Jeris and you have a, an agreement where you know, beyond the shadow of any doubt, you've already talked to Siakam and you know he's gonna re-sign in the off season and you have a guarantee, all right, I'm not gonna act like I'm privy to all these uh, NBA executive discussions. So I don't know typically how those go, but if that's the nature of the conversation, then I think that's a reasonable trade to make. Um, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't lose sleep over it, but I think, um, if it's not a guarantee, you definitely have to think long and hard about, uh, giving up anything, um, that is a long-term asset.
3: Yeah. I, I think one of the big things with the pros and cons here, like if you do make a trade, there is always that, you know, that, that gentleman's agreement that you can make if the trade is done. Uh, you know, Andrew Nimhardt's agent is the same as Pascal Siakam. So, There is that relationship that is already established with the Indiana Pacers front office and Siakam's agent, so they could have those, you know, agreement behind behind the scenes. Like, okay, we're going to do this. And one thing that that I do think would be nice is just to get Siakam here for four months, see what he can do with this group, and if he's a good fit, and that way you don't have to worry about doing that four year deal in free agency without knowing what it looks like. But at the same time forwards at that position have been hard to get and there's not a lot of them out there you did draft someone that could potentially be that but you just haven't been able to see it yet so that does make it difficult but I mean even Obi Toppin this season has grown as a player since getting more of an opportunity here with Indiana Rick Carlisle continues to praise him um, despite him coming off the bench and kind of being thrown around in terms of like where he's at in that rotation but he's you know continuing to earn minutes as well and at this point, do we think that trading away all these assets plus uh, is really worth it when you have guys that are doing a serviceable job at that position? Now, my, my last question to both of you, if, if no young players are involved, but it is just basically salary filler and a handful of picks, a lot of picks. We know that the Raptors held out on picks for OG, but if they were to get, you know, let's just say three first. And two pick swaps, or something along that lines, maybe two picks, two uh, pick swaps from the Pacers, unprotected for Siakam with salary filler. David, would you do that deal?
4: Go over the picks again one more time. How many picks do you so think it would two take?
3: Two unprotected first, and then two pick swaps. So they basically would have to. That be our first
4: round picks? picks. Yes, for the next. So that would years. be the next. How many years? Four, four. years.
3: So they would have control of yeah. the swaps. But you would assume we'd be better than them, so we'd still get our yeah. picks, and we'd years. have
4: swaps. I, I would probably say yes, just because of the fact that our picks aren't going to be very good. the dra- The draft is upcoming year doesn't seem like yeah. it's worth, you know, w- worrying too much about. Um, and like you said, you do get that that trial period with Siakam without giving up on anything that you are, you know, that you're investing in, right? Mm. So I would assume it would be something like TJ and Buddy, or TJ and Bruce, or Buddy and Bruce, or you know, some combination of players like that, and then, you know, two picks, two swaps. I think I would do that deal.
3: Yeah, I mean, you could even throw Obi Toppin in this deal if you had yeah. to, to give them a power yeah. forward. And so that's OB. on a rookie contract, give them some yeah. control. Because they, at they, this they, point, you're still trying to, like, where's, where's the minutes going to come for Obi if you do have Pasco on the roster with Obi and Jairus and guys like Jalen Smith, who are playing at that position, and Neesmith.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I
3: agree. So, Carson, what are your thoughts on that type of a trade?
2: That is a deal that I would be definitely uh, be interested in, especially like David mentioned with the 2024 draft. I think there'll be a lot of, um, I think there'll still be good role players that come out of this draft. I don't think it's necessarily uh, going to be like some horrendous draft people. Or, I've heard some people kind of say that, but I think that's more of like a mis- uh, understanding of headlines. People are kind of unclear as to what the top of the draft will look like, but people still seem pretty um solid on those guys that'll going to go in that mid late lottery later first round so it sounds like there's not that big of a difference there but with those two 2024 picks that we have especially if it was those two picks and then two future swaps like you mentioned we, we likely don't uh, move back in the draft or don't have any negative uh, backlash from like resulting from those swaps so that being said I think that's definitely a deal I do, and then the salary filler, whether it's um, whether it's Bruce or whether it's Buddy, I think um, getting at least one of those two guys off at that at that guard spot um, or wing, I think helps make room for make make room for other guys to get playing time. So it in a way is kind of a win win on that front.
3: Yeah, and I and I also was gonna say like the draft picks for the Pacers, I feel like are gonna become less and less valuable to Indiana because of the amount of depth they already have on their roster and the amount of guys that can't already get into the rotation. Like not saying Jordan Moore is like worthy of rotation minutes because he's not, but like for him to be your 14th, 15th man on your roster, that's a guy that could play in a rotation for a team that needed depth because he's not as bad as people maybe think he is, but there is a lot of just overlapping there of like, what does he bring that we need? And not really much of anything. So um, I, I'm looking here at the trade machine. You could do something along the lines of, let's see here. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can dial this one up here. Uh, let's see was that will this work. It will not work. We got to give up more money, but something along the lines of like buddy Hill, OB top and TJ McConnell would work. I was trying to see if you could do it without giving up McConnell and just giving up Wara. Uh, you might have to throw a Ben Shepherd in there too, which I think that's a little bit much Four guys for one seems a little bit too much, but you could throw James Johnson <laughs> in the deal if you needed to. He can go back to Toronto. They can, cut him. They can
4: cut him, and then we will, we'll take him back.
3: Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if there's a rule against that in the league.
4: There probably is like a well, then, uh, a time you have to wait. Like a time what, limit. Was it, like, what was, so many was that days?
2: Cleveland? When Cleveland traded Ricky Rubio uh, to us in that, uh, was it in the... Um, what trade? It was with a, Karis LeVert trade. Yeah, Karis yeah. LeVert trade. Where, and, then, and then they got him again at the end of the season after he... I think he was an expiring technically. Yeah, he was so, an expiring uh, Yeah, I don't yeah. know what the difference there is
3: Yeah, he had an injury, didn't come over uh, I think he went back to Spain But shout out Ricky Rubio, he retired today So, you yeah. know, uh, former Pacer Retired today, but um, let's go ahead And actually take a quick break um, and we're actually going to come back and make this a part two episode so let's go ahead take a break um, we had the first segment there was the Pacers trivia this is talking about a Pascal Siak when we come back for part two on Saturday's episode we're going to be diving into some really fun stuff here and that is going to be talking about who would you trade between Ben Matherin Andrew Nembhard, Juris Walker I mean that's a fun conversation and then looking at how deep this team could actually come the playoffs we'll be back for part two on tomorrow's episode